0: Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles, by the way of the sea along the Jordan. To people walking in darkness have seen a great light On those living in the land of the shadow of death a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For, as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will
1: accomplish this. Heavenly Father, on this of all days, we acknowledge and recognise the weaknesses, weaknesses that are plain to us as we've been singing. Our weaknesses as a human race and our weaknesses as individuals And so we thank you that as we have been singing, you lived on earth before us and have felt our grief and pain. And so we come to one who understands and not one who is far away and aloof. And we come to you asking that you would fill our hearts with a holy peace as we look forward to a day of everlasting joy in Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, please do sit down. Well rightly throughout this uh, service we are remembering, we have remembered and will continue to remember through this day those who've died in conflict, those who made the ultimate sacrifice to bring us freedom from the tyranny of oppression and we want to thank God today for his protection and provision through times of military strife. But I don't need to tell you that today we don't celebrate the end of war. Conflict continues all over the world. Some, as we sit here, some are trying to rid this world of the hateful group that is known as ISIS. Issues are further confused by wicked and selfish dictatorial leadership. It is estimated that over 450,000 people have lost their lives in the civil war in Syria in these last three or four years. And then, of course, there are other conflicts in the world that don't make the headlines here in the UK. Planet Earth is a troubled place. Uh, so even here in Britain, the 21st century, we, we feel unsafe. As I speak to people, that's how they tell me they feel. The threat of terrorism and an uncertain future with political change in the US this week and our planned exit from the European Union we look around and we we just feel unsure. But this is a constant dis ease with so many threats and uncertainties it is not a new thing. It's not a twentieth or twenty first century phenomena. I brought this for my uh, wife uh, for her birthday. You'll be pleased. It wasn't the only thing I bought her. Andrew Marr's History of the World. It makes for fascinating watching. And those who have watched it when it was on the television before, or maybe you have the DVD at home, those who've watched it will know that the history of the world is littered with war. And yet, some people have predicted the end of war and a glorious new world order of peace to come. Prince Albert, at the opening of the great Crystal Palace exhibition of 1851, said what I think must have been very stirring words as he said them. Here's the quote. Nobody who's paid any attention to our present era will doubt for a moment that we are living at a period of most wonderful transition which moves rapidly to accomplish that great end to which indeed all history points, the realisation of the unity of mankind. End of quote. The unity of mankind back in 1851, that's what Prince Albert believed the world was on the cusp of seeing. There was a hopeful optimism that the human race would progress towards peace. But you know what happened 63 years later, World War I. Where the number of war dead was about 9.4 million people. 6,000 deaths for every day of the war. With such carnage, surely we would learn as a human race. Surely it would be the war to end all wars but we don't need Andrew Marr to tell us that just 20 years later, the Second World War began. And during that conflict, Churchill said, if we can stand up to Hitler, all Europe may be free and the life of the world may move forward into broad sunlit uplands. Well, they did rid Europe of Hitler and we thank God that they did, but the broad sunlit uplands have been darkened again and again by monstrous dictators who want to rule the world history there have been so many false dawns. so many people have had dreams of a brighter future of a world of peace but while it's never happened I don't want to knock or ridicule those who've striven to make this world a better place and work for a world of peace because who doesn't want to dream of a brighter future A a future without war and a future of world peace forevermore and I want to say we shouldn't knock those who dream of a world of peace because what those dreamers dream of is a reality that is embedded in the hearts of every man and woman who's ever born. The Bible book of Ecclesiastes tells us that God has set eternity in the hearts of men and women. There is something in all of us that tells us that the world is not, this world is not what we were made for. There is something that God has planted in us that tells us that a time-limited existence ruined by the shadow of death hanging over us is not right and not the end of the story. There is something in all of us, something that God has put in all of us that tells us there must be more. Something that tells us to look forward to a world of peace and freedom, a world where there is no more death or mourning or crying or pain. And here's the thing to dream of something better to dream of a world of peace is not a hopeless dream it is a reality the bible ends with the description of that world to come as does the bible book of isaiah that we're going to look at in just a moment it tells us of a new world where men and women can live in peace with one another and be at peace with god enjoying a wonderful relationship with god forever In chapter 65 of Isaiah, which you can look at when you get home if you want, we're promised a new world, a completely new world order, a new world where there is no more sadness, where Isaiah promises the sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. No more crying, no more weeping, no more death, no need for hankies or hospitals or hearses. It's the promise of a place of peace where conflict of every kind has ended. That is the promise of the Bible. That's the future that God has set in the hearts of all men and women. A world of peace and an absence of all conflict. And in the book of Isaiah, the first time we're given a glimpse of how that promised new world order will become a reality is in chapter 9. The reading that Peter read for us just earlier. Do turn with me, if you will, to page 693 of Isaiah chapter 9, so that you can see it for yourself in black and white, the wonderful promise of how this great new world order will come. Page 693, Isaiah chapter 9. This chapter, chapter 9, was written to a people who knew all about war, not by reading about it in the history books or watching Andrew Marr's history of the world or listening even to their granddad's stories. No, they knew all about war because they were in the middle of a war zone. Like the people in Aleppo today, the people Isaiah was writing to were right in the middle of a raging conflict the capital city of Jerusalem was under siege from two nations that had joined together in alliance against Judah. And in chapter 8, God had told them that even worse was to come. The mighty Assyrians, the world superpower of the day, were going to march upon them in all their military might and power and destroy them and crush them. Death and destruction loomed large on the horizon for these people, as Isaiah said and wrote these words. And so what glorious words these were. Look at verse two. The Lord promised a light in the darkness, a light to chase away, do you see it there in verse two, the shadow of death. My children are teenagers now, but when they were younger, i tucked tuck them up into bed at night. And sometimes when I did that, they'd tell me they were frightened of something in the room. And when I looked to where they were pointing, it it, it was nothing there, it was just a shadow. And the moment I turned the light on in the room, the shadow disappeared. As we grow older, we learn that shadows in bedrooms at night are nothing to fear. But there is a shadow that is completely terrifying. A shadow that we do fear and should fear, it is the shadow of death which is there hanging over us all our lives the shadow of death that makes this very day remembrance sunday very poignant the shadow of death that we see coming across our television sets as we watch the television news and we see yet more innocent people being blown up as they're used as human shields or just caught in the crossfire the thing is we see those pictures on the news and we feel sad but in no time as we watch the news the pictures have changed the story has changed we're watching an interview with a politician outside Westminster or or the weather forecast and now our biggest concern is that the temperature is going to drop and there's the chance of a ground frost tomorrow morning and so in no time at all we've forgotten that more people have died and we just get on with our lives But for the families in that devastated, war-torn part of the world, the shadow of death has become a reality. They have been separated from their loved one and it is agony. They'll never again be able to see them, hold them, talk to them, laugh with them. Death has swallowed up a loved one and darkened their lives forever. And military conflict or not, today most of us know the shadow of death hanging over us all too painfully, all too personally. And so how wonderful is this to hear of a light that chases away the darkness of the shadow of death. Because the moment the light comes on, the shadows disappear. That's the promise here in verse two. It is remarkably the promise of the end of death forever. And that sparks a time of unparalleled joy and rejoicing, verse three. You've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. I love the old footage of the announcement of the end of World War II. Uh, Can you remember it if you've seen it? If you haven't, let me describe it. Huge crowds gathering on the streets of London on VE Day. There are people hugging total strangers. They're dancing on the streets. They felt such relief, this overwhelming joy that war had ended. And I guess those of us who've never been through that sort of time can't fully know it, but we can imagine it. That's the promise here, this promise of joy because of the end of oppression and war. Isaiah describes it in verse 4 as like the day of Midian's defeat. Oh, it doesn't mean anything to us. Midian's defeat. Back then there was no old film film footage of that day, but it was recorded in the Bible book of Judges in chapter six and seven. It was a day of great uh, joy in Israel's history. It was a day of great deliverance by God. It's the story of how Gideon led God's people to a miraculous victory. And in doing so, led them to be free from verse four, the burden of oppression, what the Lord promises here is the joy not just of one oppressor being defeated that only lasts for a while until another monstrous dictator comes to power. No, what the Lord promises here is a day of joy that is completely unparalleled because it will be the end of all oppression forever. And in verse five, the Lord promises every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. See, here is the end of war for all time. Not just the end of the localised war that Judah was facing. Every warrior's boot and every military garment will be destined for burning. He's pointing to a day when a soldier's kit won't ever be needed ever again. They won't just pack up their kit away in a trunk to be stored in the loft. They burn it never needed again no wonder this is a day of unbridled joy and rejoicing in verse three this prophecy speaks of a future that so many have dreamt of a day when war and oppression are done away with it's what prince albert thought the world was on the cusp of enjoying back in 1851 but this speaks of something greater than anything prince albert dreamt of It speaks of a day that no one has ever dared to believe possible, a day when death is no longer part of this world. Can you imagine it? What a joy. What's been the happiest day of your life? A special celebration, a Christmas day, a birthday, a special anniversary, a holiday. If you're married, your wedding day perhaps. I remember a special day that we enjoyed as a family together. It was Joshua's eighth birthday. After a day that was packed full of fun, I tucked tuck Joshua up in bed at night and I said to him, Well, did you enjoy the day? And he said, Oh, Dad, it was the best day ever. I just wish it would never end. Have you had days like that? When the sun shone and you're with the people you love and everything was perfect and you, you just didn't want it to end. Imagine not just wishing that that day would never end, but that it never did. That is the promise here. It's where the whole book of Isaiah is heading. It's where the whole book of the Bible is heading. It is, in fact, where the whole of history is heading. To a time and place where there'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. A day when the old order of things has passed away. And on a day like today... That is something that we long for as we remember all the sadness and carnage and death of war down through the decades and centuries of history that have gone before. We long for it. But how can it possibly come about? let me say there is much confusion about what christianity actually teaches some people i meet think that christianity is about trying to make us all better people and that if we all try a bit harder and keep the moral code and love one another then the world will become a better place perhaps one day and possibly war will end that is not the message of christianity what the christian gospel teaches is far more radical than that This is pointing towards a completely new world order, a completely new beginning, a wrapping up of the world as we know it, an end of this cosmos, a completely new beginning with a new heavens and a new earth. And Isaiah tells us how that will come about and it comes through verse six, a child being born, a son being given to us. This was written 700 years before Christ. But we know this is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the hope of the world. He is the one and the only one who can bring about what we so long for. The eternity that God has set in our hearts. The very thing we've been thinking about for the last 15 minutes. People like Prince Albert have longed for that day of the unity of all mankind. They've had a right longing but no no means of bringing it about. The new beginning will be realized through jesus christ because he's the perfect king who will establish a perfect kingdom and in closing there's two reasons why he and only he can bring about what we so long for first he's the only one who can rule the world in peace history is littered with people who've wanted to rule the world there have been dictators who crave complete dominion of the world and when they've begun to get what they wanted has been a terrifying prospect and we've risen up united to dispose of such tyrants and it's good that we do there have been others who've wanted to change the world through an ideology or a system or thought but nothing has ever succeeded but when jesus christ returns in all his glory not this time as a baby but in all his glory and power to rule the world then this will come about because verse 6 Jesus is mighty God he is the almighty creator of the universe and so he has the power to rule the world completely he has the power to defeat all opposition which is why verse 6 the government will be on his shoulders and verse 7 his government will never end But here's the wonderful good news. His rule will not be one to fear and reject like others who have such power. 4 verse 7, he will establish and uphold his kingdom with justice and righteousness. Here is what is so different about Jesus Christ. He will have complete control, complete authority and complete and utter power but he can be trusted with it. Not to abuse it, but to use it for the good of others. And so being under his perfect rule will be wonderful. And his subjects will never want to rise up in in rebellion against him. He alone can bring about this new world order because he's the only one who can rule the world in justice and peace. And second, because he's the only one who can deal with our greatest problem. See, in verse six, he is called Prince of Peace. Today on this Remembrance Sunday we do long for peace just as those who first heard this long for peace. The Prince of Peace brings peace though by dealing with our biggest problem. You see apart from all the war we see around us there is a cosmic war, a spiritual war that needs to be dealt with. We, mankind, all of us individuals are not at peace with God. From the moment our first father Adam turned away from God we followed in his footsteps and rejected God's rule effectively saying that we want to be God. We want to make up the rules wanting to live our lives our way but look if I want to be God and live my life my way and you want to be God and live your life your way when we disagree and our lives cross then sparks fly and so conflict begins and leads to war. And so left to ourselves with us all wanting to do our own thing, there will never be an end to oppression and war and death. At the heart of the human problem is my wanting to be God and my rejection of the one true God, which means I'm not at peace with God. And only the Prince of Peace can solve that problem. 4 verse 6 tells us that the mighty God was born as a human being, born as a child. Jesus is the man who is God, the God-man, the one, therefore, who can reconcile God and men and women. He did that, of course, by dying on the cross for us, dying to take the punishment that we deserve for rebelling against him. And so at the cross, he deals with our biggest problem. And as I look at the cross, I know that Jesus is the one who can rule with justice and righteousness, For this mighty God does not abuse his power, but he gives himself for the good of others, for your good and mine. He paid the ultimate sacrifice, not for his comrades, but for his enemies. In Jesus, then, we meet a self-giving, self-sacrificing God. And that is one of the big reasons why I follow him. People who secure peace for us deserve great honor. We remember that on this Remembrance Sunday. On the cross, Jesus played the ultimate price, giving his life for us to bring us peace with God and a future of everlasting peace. And so he deserves the greatest honor. Let me ask you this morning, does Jesus take the highest honor in your life? when I ask that question, I'm not asking if you're religious. I'm not asking you if you're moral. I'm asking you, do you give Jesus the highest honor in your life, the first place? If not, in view of all that he is and all that he's done, why not give him that place today? And if you're sitting here this morning thinking, you know, I think I would like to do that, but I don't know how to start. I've got a little booklet that you can take from me and uh, I'll be standing on the door at the end of the uh, service this morning and just say I'd like one or just take one out of my hand and this will tell you how you can begin to get started with Jesus. On this Remembrance Sunday, we rightly remember those who've died in military conflicts. We long for a day free from war. Well, today, look at Jesus, the Prince of Peace who loves you enough to die for you, the everlasting God who can guarantee you life beyond the grave in His presence and in the glorious new creation, the one who can give us a future that, where the terrible memories of military conflict and war will be healed and forgotten, the one who can point us to and bring us to a place of joy. Free from death, where there's never again the sound of weeping and mourning. The one who can bring us a place under the glorious rule of His forever. Let's pray together. Our Father, on this day of remembrance, as we remember all those rightly who have fought and died to bring us freedom and as we give you thanks for them we thank you yet more for this glorious confident hope that we have in the lord jesus christ we thank you that you so love the world that you gave your one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life We thank you that we can be sure of a wonderful future. And we pray that you'd help us, each one of us, to put Jesus first, to give him the highest honour. And we ask all this in his name. Amen.